G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. With all the images that Hollywood throws at us, not to mention the advertising industry, it's easy for us to end up with a distorted sense of what love is. We know it's the most important thing in the world, so it's time to discover the truth about love. Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond. Thanks so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today we're kicking off a new series of messages called All You Need Is Love because God's love is the single most powerful force in this universe a force that can completely transform your life So let's dive into God's word and please do stay tuned because in a few minutes I'll be telling you about a free booklet that I love to send you The Power of Love to help you experience the incredible transformation that God has in store for you Today we're kicking off an exploration of a subject that, well, it seems 90% of the songs written in my lifetime are about this very thing, love. From the moment we're born, we need love, both in a physical sense, because without parents who love us, we'd perish within a few hours, but in an emotional sense too. We need to belong to, to a family, to a community, to a team. That need to belong is perhaps the strongest manifestation of our need for love. And if you think about the great joys and the great tragedies that you've experienced in your life so far, my hunch is that love, people who loved us, people who should have loved us, people whom we loved or failed to love, have stood at the centre of both the highs and the lows. Sadly, we live in a world where love, or more to the point, the lack of it, is killing people. And if not killing them, then robbing them of a fantastic life. In the cities of Australia, at least, fully one-third of all households are single-person households. Many people are lonely. Many are unloved. And so I wonder what goes through your heart and your mind when you hear that old Beatles classic, All You Need Is Love, playing on the radio. I wonder whether it brings great joy to your heart knowing that you're deeply, securely, safely loved, or whether it just serves to highlight the pain, the regret, the shattered hopes and dreams. Well, may they sing, all you need is love. Question is, where do you get it? And despite the lyrics of that song that tell us, and I quote, it's easy, anybody who's had anything to do with this thing they call love will tell you that it's anything but. I mean, on the one hand, we're wired to love and to want to be loved. And so we draw close to people, man and woman, parent and child, friends, dear friends, and yet the closer we draw to them, the more vulnerable we become. Because love is about letting people in. Love is about intimacy and openness and and transparency, which is why the more we love someone, the more they can hurt us. And that's so often what happens. It seems that one imperfect person can't love and be loved by another imperfect person without both of them getting hurt on a regular basis. When we open ourselves to the imperfections of another, it's going to hurt. 
And you know, as I look at the enormous love that God shows for us through Jesus, never is this truth more true than on that cross. It cost God so much to love us because we, I, I am that imperfect person. You are that imperfect person. And he loved us with an intimate love that ultimately cost the life of his son in order to bring us close to him again. Back where we belong. Love and pain are, my friend, two sides of the one coin. So here's where I'm coming from. At the beginning of this year, I began praying for you and the many other people who will listen to this program around the world each week that this year wouldn't be a year again of unfulfilled promises of happiness, but that this year would be the year when you discover unspeakable joy. Have a listen to this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. Although you have not seen him, that is Jesus, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. For you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And that indescribable and glorious joy has everything, absolutely everything, to do with love. Although you haven't seen him, you love him. Love lies at the heart of joy. Without love, there can be no joy. I spent much of my life searching for happiness in this trinket and that bauble, things that the world dangled under my nose, things that promised so much, and yet each time I grabbed onto them, any happiness they may have contained evaporated almost instantly because I was looking for happiness in things. That's how it is with happiness. It depends entirely on our circumstances, which is why so many people, including quite a number who believe in Jesus with all their hearts, are unhappy. They grumble and complain over their circumstances. They are often overcome by a negative outlook on life, even though they love Jesus. Why? Because they're searching for happiness in the midst of their circumstances. But they rarely find it there, because there's always someone or something to rob us of happiness. And the disappointment of those unfulfilled promises of happiness make unhappiness even worse. Joy, on the other hand, joy is something completely different because it has nothing whatsoever to do with our circumstances. It depends on a relationship, a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The same Jesus who came to this earth to suffer and to die for me and for you so that we could have a deep, perfect, loving relationship with God. And whilst this is the truth that lies at the very heart of the gospel, the good news, which is what the word gospel literally means, for some reason we're so thoroughly predisposed to missing it. Here is the Apostle John writing ostensibly to a dear lady, but many think he's writing to the church under persecution. Have a listen to what he says about joy and love and how they are linked in truth. Second John Verses 4 to 6. I was overjoyed to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we have been commanded by the Father. But now, dear lady, I ask you, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but one we had from the beginning, let us love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard it from the beginning, you must walk in. The truth and love are intrinsically linked. And here John's talking about love in two ways, loving each other and the fact that loving God is about walking in his ways, in his commandments. Now this, this isn't a particularly popular thing to suggest because what it's saying is that in order for us to experience love, we need to do it according to God's ways, according to God's truth. 
And a lot of people, me included for a great part of my life, shy away from this whole idea of truth and commandments. It's countercultural. It appears oppressive, doesn't it? Love on God's terms. No, no, I want love on my terms. Well, let me ask you, how well has it been working so far? Because the way that you and I want to love is in a selfish way. We need love, all right, but not this fantasy the singers dangle under our nose in their songs, not love. No, we need the real thing, the sort of love that really makes a difference. 1 John chapter 4, beginning at verse 15. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and they abide in God. So we have known and believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and he in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so we are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because first he loved us. See, that's the sort of love we need. Perfect love, the sort that casts out all fear. I'm Bernie Diamond and you're listening to Christianity Works. I want to take a moment during this short break to share something truly important with you. We live in a world that sometimes feels anything but loving. So it's not always easy to wrap our hearts around God's amazing love. It's not always easy to experience God's love for ourselves. That's why I'd love to send you a free copy of our latest life application booklet called The Power of Love. It's full of life-changing practical Bible teaching that I believe God is wanting to use to speak His life-changing love into your heart. And at the end of each chapter, there are some life application questions to help you think through and apply God's Word right into the realities of your life. To request your copy, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415, and I'll send your free booklet straight out to you in the post. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com, or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Now, it's easy to get a distorted view of what love actually is. Hollywood tells us it's a feeling. Knight in shining armour saves damsel in distress. The advertising industry tells us we get it when we buy their product. And with so many people wandering around with a distorted view of love, little wonder that so many are disappointed in love. The world is full of people who are disappointed in love, people who would say that they've been unlucky in love. How often have you and I been bruised or damaged in love? How often have the very people who should have stood by us, who should have understood us, who should have, well, you know, failed us? Seems that there can be no love without pain. And so here's my hunch. This is what I think happens. We want to believe that God is perfect love. We really, really do. In fact, there's every chance we've signed up to that theory lesson that God is, in fact, love. But when it comes to the practice, when it comes to the way we live our lives, well, that's a whole different thing. Actually, I found it quite easy to sign up to the theory of a perfect God who loves us perfectly. It seems to make sense. I mean, if there is a God, if he is all-powerful and all-loving as they say he is, well, the notion, the concept that his love for me is a perfect love, 
Yeah, that works, don't you think? Well, it does for me anyway. But you see, my own dad was no more perfect a father than I have been to my children. I mean, we do our best, hopefully, but we make mistakes. And so we look at this idea that God the Father is a, a perfect father, and then we look at our own fathers, and that kind of clouds the reality. And when we consider the hurts that love has brought us in life, those who should have loved us, those who should have understood us, those who should have persevered with us, who should have this and should have that, but who didn't, and the pain of those losses weigh heavily on the human heart. The scars so often harden our hearts, closing them to the truth, the wonderful reality of the perfect, faithful love of God. So the love of God, as much as we may subscribe to the theory, as much as we may sing the songs about it, as much as we may nod as the preacher expounds upon it, is something that many, many people just miss out on. I have a friend of mine recently, and he's a worship leader at the church he goes to. And as someone who stands up the front a lot, looking back at the rest of us who are worshipping in song, or at least that's what's supposed to be going on, worship, this is what he said to me. He said, Bernie, you wouldn't believe what I see. People's faces are blank. Only a handful show any sign that they're truly worshipping God. The rest just seem to, to be going through the motions, distracted by this and that, looking at their watches, turning around to see who's coming in late. Have they discovered how much God loves them? Have they experienced his love? And, you know, that's something I see time and time again as well as I travel around visiting churches. It's as though people, many of whom faithfully toddle along to church each Sunday, have died inside and the Spirit of God hasn't been able to bring them back to life again. Have a listen to this. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 11. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into this world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. See, what John's saying here to us in this letter is that God is love and that love comes to life in us. His love when we accept Jesus and let the Holy Spirit do his stuff in us. You kind of look at the cross and this Jesus, this Son of God, bleeding, suffering, dying up there for you and for me on that hill just outside Jerusalem a couple of thousand years ago. And that's where you discover love. As the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 5, indeed, really, will anyone die for a righteous person? Though perhaps for a good person, someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Over and over again throughout the Bible, God's reaching out to us with a love, a perfect love, a completely unfathomable love that is the transcendent reality over all creation. Wake up. Look around. See the love that God has for us. And if today happens to be a day when we're surrounded by utter death and destruction, if today is a day where we've been shaken to the foundations and beyond and everything that we took for granted as being permanent has collapsed around us, then as we turn our gaze towards this crucified Jesus, even in the midst of all the devastations that we can experience in life, the perfect love of God shines on our face with an unmistakable warmth. My friend, this is not a love that we're called merely to provide intellectual assent to. This is not a love that we're called to know about in theory. It's a love that God beckons us to come close to and experience in reality, in the day-to-day -day reality of our lives. 
as I travel around churches and preach of the love of God in the face of Jesus Christ, I will sometimes hand out small blank pieces of paper and ask each person present to write down a number between 0 and 10, which represents how much God loves them. But I caution them before writing. I don't want the theologically correct answer. I don't want the theory. I want the practice. In your experience, in your day-to-day walk, what's your experience of how much God loves you? And sadly, sadly the answer to that question consistently is that that survey returns an average of 6 out of 10. Over these coming few weeks, my passion is for us to discover in our own hearts, perhaps for some to rediscover, the wonder and the awe with which the Apostle Paul penned these words. Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 16. He said, I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you're being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. In other words, Paul wants us to be rooted and grounded in this amazing love that is so huge we can never completely get our hearts and minds around it. Bernie Diamond and you're listening to Christianity Works. As we take this short break, I'd like to tell you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to help you experience the incredible transformational power of God's love for real in your life. It's called Fresh, a short daily devotion with a powerful scripture verse and some words of inspiration, hope and encouragement delivered right to the inbox on your smartphone, tablet or computer each and every day. Or, if you prefer, you can now receive a printed version delivered right to your letterbox. It's completely free. To get instant access either to the digital or the printed version of Fresh, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com. You'll see the Fresh devotional sign-up right there at the top of the homepage. Or, if you prefer, give us a call toll-free on 1300 722 415 to request the printed devotional. Completely up to you. That's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free 1300 722 415. So go ahead, sign up to receive fresh and may your heart be touched and transformed as you draw ever closer to Jesus through his word. Now, when we belong, when we experience that sense of belonging, it's like, well, it's like solid ground beneath your feet. And surprise, surprise, that's exactly what God wants for us. He wants us to put our roots down deep into His love, real love. Trees are amazing things. Have you ever watched them in a storm? Maybe a young sapling whose trunk flexes together with its branches in the wind, or a tall, proud old tree with a solid trunk that stands firmly in the one place while the storm rages around it. For the tree, everything has to do with the ground it's planted in. Firstly, the ground needs to be firm and solid. I mean, no good planting a tree in sand. That's the sort that a strong wind can blow the tree straight out of the ground. Neither is it any good being planted on the edge of a cliff that's crumbling. Now, first of all, a tree has to be planted into good soil, solid soil. 
But if you've ever done any gardening and planted new plants as they come out of the pot from the nursery, you'll know that often they're pot-bound. Their roots have kind of curled around and around the inner perimeter of the pot. And so when you plant a young tree, it could easily be blown over to start with because it hasn't yet taken root. It hasn't yet reached out and gripped with a solid vice-like grip into the earth. Those root systems are amazing. Not only do they grow steadily downwards and outwards to seek out nutrients and water to to feed the tree, but as they grow in order to feed, they take hold of the soil so that they can't be torn out of the ground in the storm. And that, my friend, is the picture of how things are meant to be when you and I discover the love of God. As we saw before the break, we're meant to put our roots down deep. Let's take another look at what the Apostle Paul writes And really let it sink in in our hearts. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. And the way this happens is when we give Christ full sway in our hearts, then, like the tree, we put our roots down and become rooted and grounded in his love. Would you please notice with me very carefully here the Apostle Paul's words. He speaks about us becoming both rooted and grounded in love. Now, rooted speaks of the tree's need to be nourished. And so what it does is that it sends out this unbelievable network of roots, thicker ones branching to get thinner ones and thinner ones still, ever further afield, ever deeper into the rich, moist soil in order to drink in the nutrients and the water that will cause the superstructure of the tree, that part that you and I can see, to grow. Now, imagine with me, if you will, a lazy tree. A stubborn tree, a tree that refuses to send out its roots, a tree that refuses to be rooted in its soil. Imagine a tree whose pot-bound roots just remain that, coiled around a small root ball. Is it going to put forth lush, rich growth? Probably not. It'll likely be stunted, a sickly-looking specimen with mean branches that don't reach their full potential. And if fruit does grow on those branches... This one thing's for certain. It won't be the sort of fruit that that it ought to be. It won't be rich and sweet and brightly coloured, neither pleasant to the eye or the palate. This is the Christian whose roots have not gone down into the love of Christ. He or she is not rooted in the love of God. Well may they occupy a pew each Sunday, apparently content to take up space, but beneath the surface... There's no passion for Christ. Beneath the surface, there isn't a longing to draw away quietly and pray. Beneath the surface, there's no hunger for the word of God. The roots aren't reaching out into the love of God. And so what we have is, at best, a sickly specimen. And as well as not being rooted in the love of God, neither is this Christian grounded in his love. Now, the meaning of this word grounded is that the tree becomes stable and established. It has solid foundations, able to withstand a storm, able to withstand the tsunamis of life. And it turns out that being grounded is clearly a byproduct of being rooted. See, the tree has sent out this massive root network, ever branching into smaller and thinner branches, until mere capillaries nestle between the grains of the earth, suckering nutrition and water from the ground. And all the while, as it's feeding the tree, this intricate root network laid down branch by branch is taking a grip of the soil, a vice-like grip, something that anyone who's ever sought to uproot a tree will already have discovered. As we become rooted in Christ's love, fed, nurtured, nourished by his love, so we become grounded in his love, solid, secure, able to withstand the storms of life. That's the picture here, the picture of a healthy tree. 
And as these roots reach out ever further, ever deeper, here the prayer of Paul goes on for you and me, that in so doing, we may have the power to comprehend what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Here's the picture. The tree's roots keep spreading out outwards and downwards into the love of Christ to their full breadth and their full depth and the tree keeps growing ever higher as the roots keep going ever deeper. And what the tree's discovering, what we're discovering, is that by finding no limits to God's love in any direction, we are in fact laying hold in our experience of the incomprehensibly infinite love of God as day by day we search out his love, just as roots search for food and water. The branches search upwards for sunlight. We never run into the limits of his love in any direction. And it's only thus that we can know that which surpasses knowledge, the love of Christ. That's what this passage means. How does that compare, do you think, to the lazy pot-bound tree who just curls up its roots around this tiny root ball and fails to reach out in faith and go looking? makes me want to scream sometimes. It makes me want to, want to shake people who are living their lives like that as a pot-bound Christian in the kingdom of God. Wake up! Don't you get it? We're meant to discover the amazing love of Jesus Christ by stretching out to him, by praying and having quiet times and, and reading and drinking in the nutrients of his word, letting the spirit pump them around our spirits and souls as the sap brings life to the newest of buds on the farthest reaches of the tallest branches of the largest tree. Well, that's pretty much all we have time for today. But before I go, there's something very important that I need to share with you. This program, Christianity Works, is encouraging so many people in over 160 countries to experience the power of God's love in Jesus Christ for themselves. But that's only possible through the generous support of friends like you. Each dollar that you give toward the Ministry of Christianity Works today will help reach over 2,500 people with a gospel message. So a gift of, say, $35 can touch over 85,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's amazing. So let me encourage you to give a generous, tax-deductible gift to Christianity Works today. You can do that right now, securely online, by visiting our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or by calling 1-300-722-415. And when you do get in touch, don't forget to request your free copy of that life application booklet I mentioned earlier called The Power of Love. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Thank you so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond. I'll catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace, and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ.
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.